Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode 42 of Pigskins and Nylon, presented by TabEase.com, the best Delta edible on the market. It is here, fellas, the game. I'm Wally Lukashensky, and I'm joined today by my good friends and co-host, Casey Mock and Hayden Ramsey. Before we say hello to the boys, Casey ended last week's show by saying it, but if you don't like our Ohio State and Michigan football talk, this is probably not going to be the episode for you. Just a fair warning for you guys. Going to take a real deep dive into that matchup, as I'm sure you guys can understand why. Casey, Hayden, we'll go over to you now. This weekend is really the reason we're here today. It's the reason we started this podcast to begin with. Without this rivalry, we probably wouldn't even be the people we really are today. How are you going to be spending your game day? And I got to just hear how excited you guys must be too. I am absolutely excited for this weekend. I will actually be going to the game. My dad has season tickets, obviously Michigan season tickets. And my stepmom does not want to go to the to the Michigan-Ohio State game for some reason. So I will, uh, I will be taking her seat. Like I said in the previous episode, in my plain black shirt with no rooting interest. And just enjoy the atmosphere. It's a, it's a maze out. Did you guys see that? Now, I was curious about the maze out. Like that, they, they've not done this before. I always feel like the student section, at least, is very yellow. For, for the Michigan-Ohio State game specifically? Not necessarily specifically. I feel like the student section in general is always so yellow. And that's more or less all I thought this was. Yeah, the, the thing is, and why it looks... I mean, Ohio State typically brings 20,000, 30,000 people to the big house. But the reason why it, do, it looks so, like, I don't know, like, spread out, I guess, is because there's never been a color, like, a maze out or anything. It's always been people just wear... It's cold. You just wear your jacket, you know, whatever coat that you got. So it'll be interesting to see what it looks like. Obviously... I don't expect it to look like what it did against Washington earlier this year, but still, I guess, going to be interesting to see what it what it looks like. I never considered that. We'll go to you here, Hayden, in a second, but I just always, you think about like the Packers in the NFL playoffs, and it's kind of like what you said, Casey. You see a lot of hunter camo, a lot of orange, because of that's the way life is up there. You just put on whatever is keep you warm. So I've never heard that before. We'll, we'll now say hello to our other co-host, Hayden, the game's here. I know you're fired up. How you doing, buddy? Yeah, I, I'm extremely fired up. I I would say that I'm I'm a little more nervous than uh, I have been the past couple of seasons uh, going into this one. I, I I've been saying it for weeks. I really think something's different about this Michigan team, and I I know we'll get into the game, but I don't know. I I don't I, I don't know what to think yet. We'll talk now a little bit before we get into the Ohio State-Michigan game. I gave you fair warning. We're going to be going through a couple of the inconsequential basketball games or the football games quicker than we typically will. That's only going to be for this few weeks here where we have the Big Ten Championship, we have the, the game this week, and then we have bowl season. Beyond that, we'll get back into our typical style show. So bear with us if you're not a fan of those two teams. But we're going to start real quick, like we always do on our Wednesday show, with Casey's recruiting corner. Has there been any big news this week, or is it still a little bit slow this time of year? Yeah, it's been pretty slow. The only recruit that we've had in both basketball and football within the past week is Wisconsin snagging a three-star linebacker out of the state of Michigan. So 
yeah, I mean, look for early signing day is kind of creeping up here in a little bit. That'll be something to keep an eye on. I'm sure within the next few weeks, there will be a bunch more football commits within the Big Ten Conference. Thank you for the quick update there, Casey. We'll hear again next week. Hopefully get a little bit more action going on on that front. Now, Hayden, I'm going to throw it over to you. Can you give us a little bit of a basketball update this last week? Like I said, we'll usually go into this a little bit more depth, and we'll talk a little after, but we're going to do a quick run-through this week. Keep it short. Yeah, so we've actually had quite a few games uh, since we last recorded. So I'll just start in order here with with games on Sunday. Arizona really put it to Michigan, 80-62. to Purdue with a huge win. We talked about that game on the last show about how big of a game that would be. Purdue had a big comeback in the second half to beat Villanova. Ohio State won a tough battle against Seton Hall behind Wally's pride of Garfield Heights, Michi Johnson's game-winning three. Illinois, tough game. Kofi returned, but it wasn't enough. They lost a tough one. Wisconsin beats Texas A&M. Iowa and Penn State won games that, quite frankly, they were supposed to win. Rutgers, on the other hand, lost uh, to a Lafayette team. Providence came in and beat Northwestern by five. Tough break for the Wildcats there. Wisconsin, once again, getting a big-time win against Houston. Illinois beats Kansas State. And Northwestern, Nebraska, and Indiana both won some games against lesser competition. Coming up tonight, we're recording on Wednesday, so coming up tonight... Ohio State plays Florida, and Wisconsin plays St. Mary's in the Maui Invitational. Thank you for that little heads up there. So, of this games this last week, of the games coming up ahead, Casey, we'll go to you. Is there anything that stood out to you, perhaps the Villanova-Purdue game, or Michigan maybe struggling a little bit earlier here than we would probably expect? Yeah, I said it, I think it was a couple episodes ago, man, this this Michigan defense is having some real big issues, and I know they didn't particularly shoot the ball very well that day either, but the, this, this defense is just lost right now is the best way that I can describe it. You know, I, I think it looks like Purdue is the team to beat. I mean, they have two top 10 victories so far this season, which is absolutely outstanding so far. You know, I texted our group chat on on Monday night and said that if Ohio State shoots like this, they're going to win a lot of games. And I know Hayden thought that I was trolling, but, I mean, if you can shoot 50% from the three-point line. I think your quote was they won't lose another game. Yeah, it was. And then you said that I was trolling or something, and then it got, I don't know. But, I mean, if they can shoot that many and and shoot the percentage that they're at, and then especially they shot, I think it was 94. 2% from the free throw line that game too, which is kind of unlike Ohio State. So, you know, a lot of things went well for them. They had to hold off Seton Hall at the end, which, you know, is something that Ohio State really couldn't do last year either. So they're looking a lot better. Wisconsin pulls off the upset. I didn't get a chance to watch that, but it kind of got some updates from Wally there in the group text. But, yeah, looking forward to this Ohio State-Florida game tonight. Michigan has an easy game tonight. They should win by 40 points, but we'll see. Yeah, that's all I have for the the basketball side of things. Real quick, just a couple notes I wanted to touch on there. First of all, I love the little shout-out to Garfield Heights you included there, Hayden. Yeah, that's uh, 
Michi Johnson. That was fun to see him hit that three. And that was the the weird thing about it is, yeah, they do win that game, but they did blow the lead. It did get to the point where Seton Hall tied it. It looked like it was going into overtime, and Michi Johnson hit a clutch three to give Ohio State the win. So that really still is a concern for Buckeye fans is why or when are we going to see this team be able to close out games late? As for Michigan, it's early right now. I'm not worried about them by any stretch of the imagination. I'm more impressed at what Purdue has been able to do this early in the year. And the other day, that Villanova game, you're talking about a Purdue team that had Trevian Williams shut down and in foul trouble the entire game. And they were still able to come back and win that game largely because they have more than one of those massive bigs. Zach Eady and Jaden Ivey both... Well, I guess Jaden Ivey played with a little bit of foul trouble, so he didn't look great. But Zach Eady had 21 points in 20 minutes. Very impressive, and they do look kind of like the team to beat. Last thing I'll say on Big Ten basketball for the week is that Johnny Davis of Wisconsin, he has had a like a monster first few games here at the Maui Invitational. I don't, you know, you don't want to say the word championship describing these invitationals, but they're in the final game of whatever you want to call it, the bracket. So that is nice this early in the year to at least win games that you do add a little bit of value to. And the fact that he's been able to do this in clutch situations against a couple pretty good teams here, it is pretty encouraging for Wisconsin, a team going into the year. I think most of us thought we're going to be a bubble team. Maybe they won't be. Maybe they're going to have a spot secured a lot earlier than we expected. So that was, for me, those were the three things that I took away. Hayden, I know that you kind of did a quick run through of all the games, but is there anything that really stood out to you last week or you're looking forward to next week? You know, Wally, I, I hate hate to be like this, but I'm so zoned in on the game that I, 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 I can't even talk about college basketball. No, that is perfectly fine by me. Like I said earlier, we are going to be going quicker through this part of the show than we will after these next few weeks are over. So bear with us if you are a basketball first fan of the Big Ten. But we are going to jump now into a little bit more of the football topics. I'm already biting my nails, Wally. I'm biting them. You're going to have to keep biting them too because we're going to have a couple things to talk about before we get to the game, which first we should bring up that Tuesday it was announced that James Franklin and Penn State agreed to a 10-year contract extension. His deal includes $75 million guaranteed, and it looks like he has room for quite a few more dollars to get thrown in there, depending on how Penn State does and how long he is retained. Saturday's matchup will mark his 100th game with Penn State as well. And I wanted to read this one little note on his contract and then throw it to you guys for a quick question. But a CBS article written by their Shahan Jayarija, he said Franklin's buyout to leave for another job is $12 million through April 1st of 2022. That's this upcoming spring. After April hits, though, the buyout immediately drops to a manageable $8 million before $6 million in 23 and all the way down to $2 million in 24. That's just three seasons from now. So even though he is technically locked up for 10 seasons... It doesn't look like he's married to their school, and it's a much more coach-friendly-sided deal after that three years. What do you guys make of this? What was your first reaction? I know I had a few, but I want to hear your guys' first. Whoever James Franklin's agent is needs a needs a raise here because I don't think if that you read that final 
little blurb there, but Penn State will owe Franklin the entire $70 million of his annual compensation if they fire him, which is crazy. But, uh, you know, that doesn't totally rule out Franklin leaving for another job, especially, you know, I don't know where Florida is right out of there, you know, just firing Dan Mullen. But, like, if Florida's really interested in James Franklin, they'll pay $12 million to Penn State to get him to, to coach there if they really want. So, that you know, these buyouts for Penn State, if Franklin leaves, I mean, the, those are just a, any school would pay that kind of money if that's the coach that you want. But, you know, good for Penn State. This This guy has – he's recruited decently, and he's had really good talent at Penn State, but he just can't seem to get over the hump. So good for Ohio State fans and, and I would say Michigan and Michigan State fans as well that he's retained. I actually – I really like this for Penn State. I, I know I've kind of been on him a lot on this show of how uh, bad of an in-game coach he may or may not be. But like Casey said, he, he is recruiting at a level that you can win or Penn State can win a lot of games in this conference. And, you know, he hasn't – he's gotten over the hump one time against Ohio State, but his team always – always plays Ohio State tough, no matter what the spread is. I mean, we had the game earlier this year, and it was like a three-score spread. And, you know, Penn State played them close throughout the entirety of that game. So, you know, I feel like Penn State might be in the situation that a lot of schools are in. If you get rid of James Franklin, who are you going to bring in that's going to be better than him? And, you know, off the top of my head, I mean, I I can't really think of anybody. Maybe Matt Campbell, but, like, I don't know. So I, I, I think it's a good move for Penn State. Another thing about this contract that I saw and have been listening on the radio about is that they they made a commitment to Franklin about or to upgrade facilities. I saw a picture on Twitter of like a updated or little sketch of Beaver Stadium with it updated and they had like, you know, brick around it and it looked really really cool. So, I don't know if that's part of it, but I've definitely been hearing that they pretty much promised him that you know they were going to start upgrading their facilities which obviously leads to recruiting better so I guess another I don't know what I'm trying to say thing thing there (laughs) I actually think that all three of us are very close on this and I'm just taking bits and pieces from what you guys are saying here where another little thing on top of what you said Hayden about how difficult Ohio State has had it trying to play Penn State in the Franklin era you're also talking about a Penn State team that since 2000 has had six 10-win seasons, three of which have already come under James Franklin. So there is a bit of stability that you already have with this guy too. You got to hope that if you are a Penn State fan, he's going to continue to grow as an in-game coach. Because right now, that's realistically really his only fall in grace. And that's the reason why he's at a Tier 2 program because I think he's a perfect Tier 2 coach right now for a school like Penn State, if perhaps he falls in love with one of these opening jobs, like you said, Casey, the school will buy him out, and that's going to be the end of it. These we've got, We talk about it a lot these days, but the boosters now, they're not millionaires at a lot of these programs. You're, you're getting the high M's. We're, we're getting close to the billionaires where these guys can even just immediately pay off these coaches. You see it happen in Texas more often than not now for that same reason. I think Penn State's happy with this move. I think the Big Ten at large will be better for it too. 
A quick college football playoff rankings update for you guys here, and then we'll get into what we're all here for. But the ranked Big Ten teams, after the Tuesday announcement of the rankings, you have Ohio State at number two. Michigan is up to the top five position where you know if they beat Ohio State, it's effectively turned into those two teams have a playoff spot on lock. Michigan State sits at number 12. Wisconsin is at number 14. Iowa is at number 16. So the question I wanted to pose to you guys was that, simply put, if Ohio State or Michigan wins out and wins their Big Ten championship game, they're going to be in the playoff. But if Alabama beats an undefeated Georgia team, who is number one going into the college football playoff? In that scenario, I would have to say Alabama will probably be number one. And then the winner of Michigan and Ohio State would be number two. Georgia would be three. And unfortunately, I didn't want to get into this, but unfortunately, it looks like Cincinnati is going to sneak in at number four, which is just disgraceful to the college football world. If, if, big if, if everything that happens there except Georgia beats Alabama, like Hayden proposed this last week, you might be looking at not only Cincinnati, but a one-loss Notre Dame team as well. That would be the easiest road to the championship for that for Ohio or for Georgia and Ohio State. Oh my goodness. If they get to face Cincinnati and Notre Dame, that would be ridiculous. Or Michigan. Or yeah, Michigan. Or, or Michigan, yeah. Whoever wins the Big Ten out of Michigan and Ohio State. Aiden, do you have that same kind of playing out the same way where Alabama would be the one seed if they beat Georgia? Or how would you see this happening or unfolding? So I actually don't. I think that Big Ten championship winner would be one. And, yes, Alabama – I mean, Alabama would have the best win, right, by far, beating an undefeated Georgia. But you look at what Ohio State or Michigan, they would have a top five win, followed by then playing Wisconsin, who is top 15. So I think those two wins combined is better than beating Georgia because, you know, Auburn sucks, so that's not going to be anything – but those two wins would be better than what Bama does with their one win against Georgia. Does the Penn State-Michigan State game then become a lot more important to the Big Ten champion? Because if Penn State beats a Michigan State team, they're also kind of spiraling, losing three of four. Who knows where the college football playoff would actually put them? It would be kind of crazy, but if Penn State won, they would be ranked, right? And Michigan State might could stay in the top 25. It could add that additional top 25 win and for whoever is in that position so i guess that's the the question you have to ask is two potentially 20 to 25 ranked team wins better than one top 12-ish win i don't know how the committee is going to see that we'll check in next week obviously we'll have a lot more answers after this weekend on where the committee is going to put everybody obviously there's no buys this week We are upon us. We have rivalry week. This week, instead of our traditional way of going chronologically, we're going to go chronologically for the most part, but the Ohio State-Michigan game is going to be the last game we talk about for obvious reasons. So we're going to start with our only Friday game this week, and I always love the Nebraska-Iowa Friday game after Thanksgiving. It just seems like perfect on that day. But Iowa, the number 16th ranked Iowa Hawkeyes, are traveling to Lincoln for the Nebraska Cornhuskers' final game of the season. Iowa comes in as a a one-and-a-half-point favorite 
and the over-under is set at 41.5. Iowa has only had more than 300 yards of offense once in their last five games, but on the flip side, you're going to be looking at a Nebraska team that is starting a new quarterback this week for the first time all year in Logan Smothers. Nebraska has now reached their final game of the season, losing every single game by fewer than 10 points. Will they lose another heartbreaker, or will they end their season on a high note? I do think that they are going to, unfortunately, lose another heartbreaker. I have Iowa. I don't know what this new guy at quarterback is going to do for Nebraska, and, you know, that's that's scary going against this Iowa defense. That forces a lot of turnovers. So I would imagine that they get two or three turnovers in this game, and typically when Iowa does get a bunch of turnovers, they win. So that's really the only reason why I'm going with Iowa. I think if uh, Adrian Martinez was playing, I would lean more toward Nebraska. What in the world? Why? That's a, that's a lot of faith in our boy uh, Adrian there. Well, uh, he's gone. He's gone now. I can I can say that about him. <laughs> no, but I, I mean just the experience, and uh, you know I know he's turnover prone, but he's you know last week he threw for 300 yards on Wisconsin team, which was kind of shocking to me but anyway i'm going with iowa minus one and a half i'm also taking iowa money line and i'm going with the under i have iowa covering and winning 20 to 17 another heartbreaker for nebraska hayden who wins this one here iowa or nebraska in a close one neither team wins because this is going to be horrible to watch just kidding well actually i'm not kidding but i i don't know i i can't I can't come to terms with betting with Nebraska, so I guess I'm going to go Iowa minus one and a half, but I don't feel good about it, like, at all. It's just, I I don't have faith in anything they do offensively, so I guess I'll I'll give the point and a half. I'll take Iowa. I'm also taking the over, I guess, but barely. The over barely hits. It's funny because the over is actually a plus 104 odds right now, And in a weird way, it's a reason why I want to take it because everything is telling me that the under should hit here. And that's a ridiculous thing to say before saying you're going to take an over. But everything points to this being a low-scoring game. I think that Scott Frost is going to have Logan... What's his last name again? Smothers or something? Yeah. Logan Smothers is going to have a very basic game plan. I think he's going to try to not overwhelm the kid, not have him in a position to turn the ball over, And I was reading an article saying that Iowa had expected this kid to be really, really fast. And if that is the case, I think you're going to see more of the five years ago Nebraska offense, a lot of read option, and a lot of real close to the line of scrimmage kind of plays. Nebraska covers the spread. I'm going to fall for the trap back-to-back weeks. I'm taking them to get a win here, have it finish 4-8, and and really go into the next year with Scott Frost. With at least, if you're trying to look for a silver lining, you get one in this game. They went 28 You're really dying on that Nebraska Hill, huh? You're just it, dying they should have won last week. I wish I was here oh, on Sunday. Oh, they should have won. Give me a Did break. you watch any of that game? Yes, I did. Then, oh, how did, then tell me how they should have lost. Braylon Allen at two. How they should have lost? Nebraska gives up the opening kickoff. Brutal. They threw the two picks. They, that's literally typical Nebraska football. That's what they do every game, is they do stupid things like that. They outgain the Badgers. 
They shut down Braylon Allen decides the two giant runs. It just felt like a comical bit of errors that made them lose that game. But whatever. Just like always. Just like always. On Sunday, we'll be talking about a Husker win. They'll finish year four and eight, and Iowa will lose. Oh, by and the do way. Do they fall out of the rankings? By the way. If they lose way. to Nebraska, do they fall out? Probably, yeah. By the way, we both had a bet earlier this year. I think it involved Wisconsin, didn't it? And I think both of you owe me a case of beer. What was the bet, do you know? Uh, I can't remember what game it was. It's on my Twitter. I'll look. Yeah, let us know about that. We'll definitely... We have to keep track of the, our bets better than we, we have been. But yeah, if we owe you a case of beer, you'll get your case of beer. That's no question. But Nebraska's going to get the win this weekend, and that's all there is to it. And our next game, going in here, we have Penn State traveling to Michigan State, the now-ranked 12th Michigan State Spartans. Penn State's a one-and-a-half-point favorite in this game with the over-under set at 52-and-a-half. These teams have played 35 times before, and it is split down the middle. They are 17-17 and one against one another, but Penn State has won the last two by 15 or more points here. These teams have had similar seasons this year. Both were ranked either in the college football playoff top five or the AP top five in October or later before having a difficult stretch of games. And then you had both of the head coaches who have seen their names and rumors around other jobs, but now seem to both be likely to be at their school for the foreseeable future. Whose season is going to end with a win on Saturday? Yeah, so I I actually think that Penn State has a has a great shot of winning this game. I think Ohio State really sucked the life out of Michigan State last week, and they don't really have anything to play for. But I I need to catch up in our standings, and I know that. So I'm gonna take Michigan State the plus one and a half. I'm gonna take a money line, and I'm gonna go with the over and Michigan State winning thirty five to twenty seven. And the only way that I actually think that happens is if they get an early lead and they feed Kenneth Walker the ball, unlike what they did last week. So I'm not too confident in it, but I need to make make up some units here. I have Penn State by one and a half here, and I'm also taking the money line. I think the under is going to hit, but I think it's barely going to hit. I have Penn State winning this game 31 to 20. I think that you're going to see Penn State throw the ball pretty effectively as everybody seems to do against Michigan State this year. And Michigan State, like you said, I think that they're still going to be walking a little wounded after last week. Not a ton to play for. And I think that there is something to be said about James Franklin finally having that job security off his shoulder. The team can focus on playing football again. And I think that's going to reflect. They're going to look like the better team, I think, throughout the entire game. Hayden, do you think Penn State wins and covers, or are you going with Mel Tucker's Spartans? This was one of those games where I feel like it could go really either way, and really the the main thing I'm I'm concerned about for Michigan State is Kenneth Walker's health. You know, he he got banged up the week before they played Ohio State, and then I think he got banged up a little bit during that game, and obviously they weren't going to push him; they were down by a million. If he is is healthy, I think Michigan State can win. But if he's not totally 100% himself, that totally changes their offense. And I'm just going to bet that at this point in the season, he's not going to be 100% himself. And so I'm rolling 
with Penn State minus the one and a half. I'm rolling with them on the money line. And I am rolling with the under. The under, because Penn State's defense is legit. Also, I found why you owe me beer. You, when Purdue and Wisconsin played earlier in the year, both of you were like, I'm, I'm hammering the hell out of Purdue. I'm hammering the hell out of Purdue. I said, fine, what will you give me? And you, it, I forget what we, what we did, but Wisconsin won that game by like 17 points or something. So that was the game that I, I remembered. Good call on that. When you buy your case of beer for the game tomorrow, let me know what it is. I'll send you a little Venmo over there so you can enjoy that. And I'm sure you guys have noticed I accidentally skipped a game, and I think that says all you need to know about this game. But we'll dial or go back a little bit. Maryland does play Rutgers. It's at noon, which there's another game going on at noon you guys might be watching. I don't know. That might just be me. So we'll just, I guess we'll go through it, though. Maryland is a two and a half point favorite on the road in this game. The over under is also 52 and a half here. I'm going to give you my score quick just because there's not a lot of intrigue outside of the bowl eligibility berth here. I have Rutgers winning 27 to 24. So I have the under and I have Rutgers winning outright. Take them plus two and a half in the money line. I just think that you're going to have a team that's much more blue collar in the Rutgers Scarlet Knights than you have in Maryland. And you hear me talk about it each week. Maryland's offense has been the same since Big Ten play has started. And I think you're going to see Rutgers win a close game, an ugly game. And they're going to be the ones playing in like the Beefo Brady Bowl on December 19th. I have faith in Tua's little bro that Maryland is going to get the job done. So uh, take the, or no, give the points. Maryland minus two and a half, but take the under because that's the better bet too. I agree with you, Aiden. I think that Maryland's offense is is so much better than Rutgers, and I don't understand, Wally, how, how Rutgers is going to score 27 points. I mean, uh, that offense is, is not good at all. And I think Maryland's is actually pretty good. So I think Maryland is going to obviously outscore Rutgers. I'm going to go with Maryland minus 2.5, Maryland money line, and Maryland – to win 31 to 21, which gives me the under. My only reason for doing that was because they allowed 41.6 points per game in conference this year. It's a question of whose deficiency can make the other person actually look good. Is the defense for Maryland going to make Rutgers look like they can score or not? We probably won't know because we're probably not going to see a whole lot of it. And it doesn't matter either because the other team's done for the year after this game. Much like this next game, we're going to fly through this one. Northwestern and Illinois, this game means nothing. Neither of these teams are playing for bill eligibility. Illinois is six and a half point favorites. The over-under is 43 and a half. Illinois covers by half a point and the under hits. They win 17 to 10. What do you guys have? I disagree with you, Wally. This game is got, uh, um, it has a lot of importance to the state of Illinois. The winner of this game takes over the state for 364 days. So this game is massive. This game is massive. I think Northwestern gets it done, though. Again, trying to make up some ground in the unit rankings. I'm going to take Northwestern plus six and a half, which means I'm also going to take that money line. And I'm also going with the under. I don't think either either offense is very good. Um, but I have Northwestern winning 24 to 17. 
Casey, this could go either exceptionally good for you, or it could put you so far back that I, I don't even know. Yeah, but, that's uh, that's the plan. Hey, good good luck to you. You gotta risk it to whatever. I don't know. I'm going Illinois minus six and a half, even though every time I bet on Illinois they lose. And I'm taking the under because it seems like a lock, which means the over will actually hit. Our last game will really fly through here. The Indiana Hoosiers are going to Purdue, and they fight for some kind of like bucket or a... I don't even remember. It's like a, a literal basket or something. I remember playing with Purdue back in NCAA like 15 years ago, and each year they add like another P or an I to like a, a wooden crate. So that's what they're playing for, a wooden crate here. Purdue, like I said, 14.5 point favorite. 50.5 is the over-under. I, I don't know how Indiana even shows up in this game. I have Purdue winning a blowout. 41-7, the under hits, not because Purdue doesn't score, but because Indiana only gives up seven. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Wally. Indiana is bad. Indiana is going to finish 0-9 in the Big Ten Conference, which is absolutely terrible. Obviously, underachieved this year um, from from last year's performances. So I have Purdue minus 14.5, and, and I also have the under. I have Purdue winning 35-10. Super lock of the week is Purdue minus two and a half. Or no, God, God if it was minus two and a half, yeah. You would, that would be the quadruple super lock. No, uh, <laughs> super lock is Purdue minus 14 and a half and the under in this game as well. Yeah, you got us worried there for a second, Hayden. I like that. Gosh, anyways, yeah. I mean, they've only, Indiana, talk about. I was buying, I was buying some points. <laughs> yeah, you bought like 11 and a half or 13 or whatever the hell that number was. So that was big. But anyways, we're all on the same page there. That's good. I mean, Indiana, I can't remember a more disappointing Big Ten season just from expectations to what actually happened. Then we're going to go to our last two games here. We'll talk a little bit more about both of these where you have first, Minnesota is traveling to Camp Randall to face the number 14th ranked Wisconsin Badgers. Now, this is really cool this year how this worked out. Because of the Friday game, Iowa is going to know what has to happen for them if they win, or Minnesota is going to know with a win, they can also go to the Big Ten Championship game. This has got a lot of fun then, because we're going to have this turn into effectively the Big Ten West Divisional Championship game. Wisconsin is a six and a half point favorite going in, and the over-under is 39 and a half. I'll throw it over to one of you guys first. We'll go with you here first, Hayden. Who do you have winning this? And ultimately, who is going to Indianapolis? Minnesota, Iowa, or Wisconsin? Before I start, if Iowa wins, Purdue basically has no chance, right? Or no, no, no. Uh, Minnesota has no chance. Yes? God! Can I change? Oh, Jesus. What if I change my pick Friday night after that game? Is that allowed? Because I feel like that's a huge thing. That's a huge thing. No, like, it's, absolutely. It's, it's like Friday it's at kickoff. Game either way, you know? Yeah, and as soon as Friday kicks off, the week has got here. We have given our picks. And then, like, these lines change, oh, too. We are wow. locked. So if you want to wow. make a change feel, to I Friday, like, do it now. 
I feel like you've let people make a make a change on their pick before. I let Casey before a noon kick, and there wasn't a Thursday or Friday game that week. Okay, this game, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I know it's a rivalry. Are you guys that impressed with Wisconsin? Like, I know they've been playing better. They've been playing better. I, I, I will exactly say that. But I, I, I don't know if I'm super impressed by them. I'm going to go Minnesota plus six and a half. I think they play this close. And I guess that means I'm, I'm rooting big for Nebraska on Friday night. So that gives Minnesota a little bit more to play for. But plus six and a half for Minnesota and the under of anytime it's under 40, I have to take it. Casey, we'll go to you here now. But before you start talking, I just had to point out because people can't see us at home and it's funny. Hayden is just in the middle, at least on mine. He asked the question if we're impressed with Wisconsin, and you and I look like the angel and devil in those old-school movies on the shoulder when someone's making a decision. You adamantly shaking your or nodding your head, excuse me, and I'm right there next shaking mine. So I think I know where you're going with this, but let's hear it from you now. Yeah, I, don't, I, I really don't know how you can't be impressed with Wisconsin. I know they didn't play the best, you know, game last week defensively, but it's it's still one of the best defenses statistically in the country. We've seen them play. They've looked really good when they played. And, you know, Minnesota is so inconsistent on offense. I just, I don't understand how you could be confident in taking Minnesota right now. Uh, Put four units on it then. Three units on Wisconsin covering the six and a half. I am very, very oh, confident boy. that they will. I am also taking the under, though. I'm not very confident in either team's ability to score. I just think Wisconsin's defense is better. Wisconsin, I don't know if this is number one, but I imagine it's either one or two with Georgia. They average 64 yards given up in the rushing game. So I think that that will even out with uh, Minnesota's rushing game that averages 200 yards a game, which is actually really good. It all points in the direction of Wisconsin to win. And so, you know, that's that's what I'm going to roll with. I think Wisconsin gets to Indy next week. So I guess the reason why I'm going to actually go opposite is just because I think these teams are very similarly built where they both have very good running games. They're not asking their quarterbacks to do a lot. And regardless of it being the Big Ten or not, the way the style plays, you have to be impressed with the defenses this year. And you are right, but I almost wonder, and I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on this, especially as a coach, too, on the offensive side of the ball. Wisconsin, I feel like, does a better job than anybody in the country at also protecting their defense. Not that they necessarily need it, but they run the ball so well that if you would look at their time of possession this year, I'd be interested to see if it's just the defense statistically is so overwhelmingly good because they're not on the field all that much. And I feel like Minnesota and Wisconsin, because they're built the same, you're going to just see a very unusual game from these teams where I think it's going to come down to who's the better quarterback on Saturday, Tanner Morgan or Graham Mertz? I don't know. That's that's a very, that's a very tough question because you're right. You know, that Notre Dame-Wisconsin game was a fluke. It was a, it was a tight ball game until the fourth quarter where Wisconsin's offense fell apart. I mean, um, Wisconsin was winning in that fourth quarter. Yeah, it, it, and then the Michigan game, I think everything was just clicking for Michigan early on, and they just were 
stable ahead. And then but then on the contrary, you hold Purdue to 13 points and you blow out Purdue. So I, I think I'm gonna lean more toward, you know, Wisconsin's defense is that good. And I think their offense is finally found a rhythm and found somebody at running back who can do what Wisconsin does and tote the rock and avoid mistakes that, you know, Graham Mertz made earlier on in the year. I I don't know, but I think you're completely right with comparing these two teams with each other. I think they're very identical, but Wisconsin has the better players and has the better athletes. So that's why I think I'm giving Wisconsin the edge. You're going to see this Minnesota team sponsored by Cedar Point next year because of the roller coaster they've been on. Where this is so crazy that if Nebraska. That was awesome, bro. <laughs> I, I appreciate you. Look at this, just pumping my tires for me. But Nebraska, if they beat Iowa and Minnesota finds a way to beat Wisconsin, we are going to talk about a team that has seen the highs of highs in the lows of lows in one year, lose to a Mac school, beat another one by only five. You have the Ohio State opener that you looked phenomenal and regrettably you lose Muhammad Ibrahim. There's a lot of just weird things that have happened with this team. But if they do manage to find a way even just to get a Big Ten championship berth, it would be such a testament to this team and the grittiness to be able to respond to all this problems and adversity they faced all year. I just wanted to point that out before we go on. And you guys know what that means. It is time to talk about the game. The number two ranked Ohio State Buckeyes travel to the big house to get number five, Michigan. This is what it's all about. Literally, I'm getting goosebumps even saying that out loud right now. It sounds like the Woody Bow era. It sounds like the 06 game. It sounds just like Ohio State, Michigan. They're playing for so much in this game. Even with the Big Ten Championship next week, you're playing for that but ultimately, you were playing for that playoff berth, too. You were playing to beat that other team on the sideline. I don't even know where to start this one. I'll give you the lines, and we're just going to leave it as an open floor. Just go between everybody until we're done and talk to ourselves out. Ohio State's an 8.5-point favorite, over-under a 64.5. I'm not even know where to start other than this. Who wins Saturday? I, I think I want to save that for the end and just, and just chat a little bit. So this is the third time under Jim, Jim Harbaugh that Michigan's been ranked in the top five against Ohio State going into the final weekend. Now, both of those times, the game was played at Ohio State to end the year in 16 and 18. So uh, this is really the first time that he gets, I guess, home field advantage in this game when it actually means something. I guess it did in 2015, but, you know, that Ohio State team was, you know, way, way better than what Michigan was that year. So that I, you know, that is something to to take into consideration. I was I, I was there in 15, 17, and 19 for that Michigan Ohio State game, and 19 was probably the most electric that I saw the uh, the stadium for the first I guess quarter and a half of that game. So I, you know, I I don't know. This is this is going to be a very very interesting game, and I kind of want to throw it over to Hayden right now just because I know he's been watching previous games and, you know, biting his nails and that's all he texts about and everything. So I just, I just want to see what he's thinking right now. I have said this all week and I've said it for the past couple of weeks. This 
and I and I I don't know. I I think I sh- probably should speak for most Ohio State fans here. This is the most nervous that I have been since 2016. E- even the game a few years ago when Ohio State was underdogs, I I don't think I was this. I like. I, there's something different to me about the way this Michigan team plays and handles their business. Do you think that that, uh, you know, 2018 when Michigan came in as a favorite, Ohio State was ranked at 10 at that time and really didn't have a shot to make the make the college football playoff. Do you think that that has a little to do with your, you know, concern? It's like, like 2018 you weren't concerned because it was like, oh, you know what, if we win, then we're probably still not going to make the playoff. But, like, knowing that, this game matters so much, and in 2016, it mattered that much too. I'm interested to know what your thought is on that. No, yeah, I, I, I think you're absolutely correct. Like, obviously, this game always means something, no matter what the records are, but it adds to it when you have a potential playoff trip on the line, and, you know, Michigan hasn't really, outside of 2016, had that chance. That was basically... Uh, a playoff game then, and th- that's exactly what it is now. This is an extension. You know, everybody talks about playoff extensions and things like that. This this is the playoff extension. Like, the winner of this game, more than likely, unless something weird happens in, in the conference championship game, is going to the playoffs. And that just adds more fuel to the fire, right? Does having these implications on this game make more pressure on Ohio State to keep winning? Or does that ratchet the pressure up on Michigan to be like, this is our chance to make the first playoff and go to the Indianapolis for the first time? So I, I don't know. What do you, do you, who do you think has more pressure to win this game? It's Ohio State. Ohio State has more pressure. You come in, first of all, you've been kind of, the last few weeks, you're starting to become kind of a, a media darling again as another team like Georgia. You're kind of starting to hear that talk that, this Ohio State team, this is the year you have to win a championship. The cards are falling in front of you. Alabama is having a down year. Georgia's kind of built like a team that you have to beat them in the playoffs. This is the kind of year that I feel like we've been talking about for a decade. We expect if Ohio State's ever going to make that jump to be an Alabama or a Clemson kind of team and win multiple titles in a 10-year period and become kind of like a dynasty, you have to do it. There's no excuses you are the better team right now than Michigan. You match up better with Michigan, and you have to win this game. You know what it is for in Columbus. It's a do-or-die kind of thing, the mentality. The only thing I think that really scares me right now is that this Michigan team has finally accepted that, that this game and this rivalry means more. This isn't the years of the past where... It's the, oh, we're treating this like another game. Kind of that John Cooper feeling. Kind of that even Rich Rodriguez feeling a little bit. It's gone. This is serious. And now with Jim Harbaugh leaning back into that, that worries me. But ultimately, Ohio State has more pressure. Well, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And I it's very, very weird to say. But the last two weeks for Ohio State just built up their pressure to beat Michigan more than it did Michigan. Because when you smack the crap out of two top 20 teams at the time, like you did, and like you said, you're put on that Georgia pedestal. Everybody has been talking Georgia, 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 and now it's like, oh, Ohio State, Ohio State. So I do agree that that added some pressure. 
and when you've won, what is it now, eight straight in the series, I feel like with as successful as Ohio State's been, I I just kind of feel like the more pressure is on Ohio State to keep the streak going than it is for Michigan to break the streak because, you know, if, if Michigan wins, it's like, hallelujah, they finally did it. But if Ohio State loses down here, it's going to be like chaos. You know what I'm saying? I would agree with you to say that Ohio State has more pressure. I think their expectations, especially going into the year, were tremendously higher than what Michigan's were. So I think that adds a little pressure too. So, yeah, I, I agree with you that Ohio State has more pressure going into the game. I I know that there are a lot of, especially older, you know, we're talking about Wally's dad and my dad, Ohio State fans who have lived through some tough times where you've had, like, exceptionally great Buckeye teams, you know, who could, you know, even undefeated, potentially going to win a national championship to get upset by Michigan. And I... I really, I think that's a real thing. Like, I, I know it hasn't happened recently, but there, that's like a real type of pressure that this rivalry really brings out, and especially uh, the team that's favored. You know, the, Ohio State's the better team. I have that in air quotes. I, it, we'll see on Saturday, right? Uh, on paper, they are. But, yeah, that, that pressure of being a playoff team or a national championship team really weighs when these two get together. Can I ask a question real quick going off of that? Kind of talking about what you both just talked about. If you are talking about the pressure in Ohio State having to keep the streak alive, you almost wonder about the the mentality on the Michigan side too because you can talk about how this gear is different. We're going to take Ohio State the way Ohio State takes us, that everything matters. Does that like doubt creep in if Ohio State gets a quick score where like I can still remember like Ohio State, like you mentioned, Hayden, that when we were our parents, what they grew through, and Casey, what your dad grew through on the other side, it probably took until 2005 winning that game in Ann Arbor the way they did for I feel like my dad to start having this belief that Ohio State could beat Michigan in tight games, where up until that point, they had just had it built in their mind that something would go wrong. I almost wonder if that's gone in reverse, where now if you're Michigan... Yeah, you won in 2011, but you know that was the Ohio State year where they went 6-7. and seven. Does it feel like it's impossible to beat Ohio State now, no matter what happens, we're going to find a way to lose? I, I think that I do agree with that, Wally. And I can't remember if Michigan won the toss in 2019. Do you guys remember that? I don't remember. Well, I, I know that Michigan got the ball first. And for some reason, I feel like they took the ball first. They did. You're right. They they went down and scored. And I think that they knew that if they got down to Ohio State quick 7-0, that it was over. And I still think that's, you know, as much as we think Michigan has changed, you know, it's still, you know, most of these players that are playing were here two years ago, were there, you know, three years ago. And it's still Jim Harbaugh at at the head of it all. So I... You know, unless something absolutely drastic has changed. And I get it. They got that. What are you doing to beat Ohio State today thing posted throughout the the weight room for the past, you know, year now. But I, I, I do think that the mental hurdle is something that is very, very difficult to overcome. And when the talent gap is as wide as it is, I just don't think that they can do it this year. So I, I just went back and I, I pulled up some of the, the stats from that 2019 game. First of all, 
Garrett Wilson, that was his freshman year. He was amazing. Three receptions, 118 yards, and a touchdown. But also, that was the J.K. Dobbins day. You know, 31 rushes, 211 yards, four touchdowns. The reason I bring that up is this is a different style, I think, of Ohio State offense, right? They we th- This year so far, they have not – yes, they have a great running back, but they have not been, like, pounding it like they, they, they previously have been. And so, you know, with being more – I don't want to say pass-happy, but kind of pass-happy, that's what Ohio State is a little bit. What impact do you think that has on the game versus their traditional, you know – hand the ball off 30 to 35 times a game. I think that Ryan Day is a very, very smart coach. And last year specifically too, and and even the year before that, um, the 2019 year, when things got tough, Ryan Day would run the ball with J.K. Dobbins and with Trey Sermon last year. And so I think that that's what is, I think that is kind of what's going to happen what's going to happen this game. I think Michigan limits Ohio State. I didn't say stop. I said limits Ohio State in the past game to where it kind of frustrates Ryan Day. And I think that, you know, Travion Henderson is the most talented back in the entire game that plays. And that's including every, you know, all the running backs on Michigan's side. And I, I, I just think that this is, I kind of, said it the uh I believe it was the Penn State game where it was going to be Travion Henderson's coming out party and you know he had a fine game and whatnot but I think that if Ohio State is able to pull away in this game I think Travion Henderson is going to have over 145 yards rushing well I think that you're going to also see too it's going to be interesting how both teams come out in their opening drives because the first two drives of the game for both teams, I think, is going to be vitally important. If Michigan can survive the first quarter, the first 15 minutes, and hang with the Buckeyes, it'll be a four-quarter game. But if Ohio State scores on their first couple drives, you might start seeing what we've seen the last three or four Michigan-Ohio State games where they're going to eventually pull away just because Michigan can't keep up. And, I mean, this is why the, you brought up J.K. Dobbins in 19, Hayden. But do you guys remember after Michigan goes down and scores in that game, they miss the extra point, first of all, where then it, it even though it's just one point, but it somehow They're felt... like, here we go again. Dude, yeah, exactly. Dude, I, literally, it, that was the vibe in the stadium. After he missed that extra point, it was like, that's it. And not only that, do you guys remember what happened on either first or the second offensive play for Ohio State? J.K. Dobbins takes a handoff, it bounces off his chest goes straight into the ground and bounces up for him, and he turns it into like a 25-yard running game. And that's just one of those things where we're talking about the mentality of the teams when it's going on. That was the moment. I think Hayden and I, because we watched that game together, I think I turned to you. I'm like, Ohio State's going to win today. Like, we're going to like we're gonna win. Like, the fact that things were going our way that early, Michigan's going to have to make breaks for them early. And if they do... Look out, because you might be right. Yeah, and I think another key, and especially if you go back to that 2019 game, is Michigan has to get off the field on third down. They absolutely have to. Ohio State converted way too many third down, and and a couple of them were like third and longs, like third and 14 and, and whatnot in that game. And 
you know, this Ohio State offense is too explosive to be giving them opportunities like that. And so I, I think that is probably, gosh, I, you know, I was going to ask you guys what you thought the three most critical components of the game are, but I, I guess I'm going to give one away. Third down conversions is one of the biggest components in, I mean, obviously in every game, but in this game specifically, if Michigan can't get off the field, they will get blown out and it will be a blowout like it has been the past two years or two times they've played. But I think it is absolutely essential that Michigan is able to get off the field on third down and, you know, limit Ohio State to maybe have to punt the ball once in a while. I know that's weird for Ohio State fans to think about, but or settle for field goals. I guess if you guys want to try to come up with your three biggest components of the game real quick, I'd love to hear those. Yeah, real quick, you brought up the, the 2019 game. Ohio State was 9 of 15 on third down, which that's pretty good. Michigan was 2 of 13. So that's a huge, I mean, that's that's, that's a difference huge the right there. Yeah, exactly. So my three major keys that I'm, I'm going to watch, and I think we can tell maybe right away at, on Ohio State's first possession is how they are going to block Aiden Hutchinson and Ajabo, how, how they're going to do that. When they played against Purdue, they, they used Rucker and Cade Stover kind of helping out. It'll be interesting to see how they do it when there's guys on both sides that they have to try and take care of. The next thing that I'm, I'm going to watch, and again, we might be able to tell how this game's going to go kind of from the beginning. How well is Michigan going to run the ball? Because if they, if they aren't running the ball effectively from the beginning – it could be a rough day if they have to rely on McNamara to, to carry them offensively. And then the last thing, uh, and this goes for both teams, is finishing, and it's Casey's pet peeve, finishing drives once you get down into the scoring area. Once you get inside the 25, if it's not fourth and eight or longer, I, I feel like we you got to go for it. you you got to try and score touchdowns and not kick field goals in this one. And, you know, if one team is kicking – if Ohio State's kicking field goals, that's going to keep Michigan in the game. If Michigan's kicking field goals, it might be where Ohio State pulls away. My three, you already touched on it, but third downs, Michigan's going to have to be able to get Ohio State off the field, but they're also going to have to convert a few through the air. Because if Ohio State is able to stop the running game, and we don't even know about Blake Corum yet. I saw he was still questionable with the lower body. If he's out, that's a lot of pressure you're adding to Hassan Haskins having a big day. That has to be gamesmanship, right? He's he's going to play. You have to imagine. You have to kind of, I mean, you have to hope he does for just like the fun of the actual game itself. That could be a lot of intrigue that you add if you have both of those backs and they get back doing what they can. But the running game for Michigan versus Ohio State's run defense, Ohio State's the 11th best in the country at that. And meanwhile, Michigan... They've been running it down everybody's throat all year. So if Ohio State can take that away, that's going to be a bad thing for Michigan. But if Michigan can control the line of scrimmage, it might be a little uncomfortable for Buckeye fans. The other thing I would say, too, and I was just looking it up, so I have to go back. Oh, like I said earlier, the first quarters. If Michigan can find a way to weather the initial energy and surge, Ohio State, when they've struggled in first quarters this year, the Minnesota game. The Oregon game and the Penn State game. And in the Nebraska game, too, you can even throw in. Those were the only four games all year that Ohio State ever even had a, to break a sweat. 
And it was because after a quarter, you can kind of start feeling Ohio State when they're not blowing teams out, press a little bit on offense. They kind of get away from themselves. And I'm worried that that's turning into a little trend when they get into very tight games. I hope not, but that's it for me. So Michigan survived the first two drives both sides. Both sides of the ball, I should say. Yeah, no, 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 I got you. Um, Yeah, those were absolutely great ones um, by you guys. And since I already told you guys about my third down one, I'm going to give you three other ones because, um, you know, that was just a little trick I played on you. But uh, first, it kind of correlates with what Hayden said. Mine is Ohio State tackling. If Ohio State's done a fantastic job, I mean, shoot, you can go back 10 years now, limiting Michigan's big plays, tackling very well. And I think this is the best Michigan run offense that we've seen in a long time. So if Ohio State is able to tackle, and in Michigan, you know, Michigan might get some yards. Michigan might, you know, get over 130 yards rushing, whatever. But if Ohio State can keep it to that, it can keep it to four, five yard gains rather than letting Michigan bust 12 to 15 to 20 yard gains. I think that is really, really key for Ohio State to win. And obviously, for Michigan to win, too, uh, if Ohio State doesn't tackle well. And also kind of going, I guess all these kind of are sim- very similar to your guys' here. But pressure on Stroud. Ojabo and Hutchinson are going to get the most attention. And I think it also I, – I agree with Aiden. I think that you're going to be able to see right away how how the game is going to go in the first possession if, if Ohio State – thinks that they have the guys on the outside to go one-on-one. I'm not sure that that's the recipe for success for Ohio State unless they're going to dink and dunk. But also, like like what Hayden said, with George Karloftis, they put him in a lot of isolation plays and a lot of plays running right at him and making him make a decision. And it's kind of difficult to do with two guys that are so good at rushing the passer. But I think if you're going to do it, you got to do it to David Ojabo because he is a less physical specimen than what Aiden Hutchinson is, and Aiden Hutchinson plays a run so well, I would be uncomfortable running or leaving him wide open in a run play. So if you're going to go that technique, I think you got to do it at David Ojabo, even though he's the better athlete. And then lastly, like like what Aiden said, my pet peeve is execution in the red zone. Whatever team executes in the red zone more often, and, and by that I mean scoring touchdowns rather than field goals, because I don't think I don't think. I, you know, as explosive as Ohio State is, I, I don't think the explosive plays are going to be there this this Saturday because Ohio's, or Michigan's defense is set up to not give up the explosive play more so than it has been in the past. So I don't think Ohio State's explosive plays will be all there. You know, they, they'll probably still get two or three. But I think that um, it's going to come down to execution in the red zone by uh, both teams, really. Do you guys want to hear a, a interesting stat about this game? Sure. So no. the, the, there is a guy who has been tracking this, and it's been since 2002. And it stops. The, the, the chart that I have right now stops in 2017, but I'm sure it applies for the last couple of years as well. The team, and this might seem obvious, the team who averages more yards per carry has won every single game since 02. So the two losses, 2003 for the two losses for Ohio State, 2003 and 2011, Michigan both won both of those games. Michigan outrushed Ohio State, not total yards, but yards per attempt. 
yards per carry. Every other year, Ohio State has led in that category and won. With the exception of 2012, they were both tied at 4.0 yards per carry. Obviously, Ohio State still won that game. But just, I mean, just something interesting. Yeah, I was just going to ask you. I know that Michigan's at 4.1, but I don't know ours off the top of my head. What is Ohio State's this year? Per carry? Yes. Ohio State right now, and this this does account for uh, quarterback sacks and, and, you know, quarterback attempts as well. Ohio State has 373 attempts for 2170 on the ground, which is 5.8 yards a pop. And Michigan is averaging 4.1, I believe. 4.1. So right now, Ohio State averages more per carry, but you know it all. It's going to depend on how the game goes on Saturday. Uh, just I just thought I just yeah I just thought that was a, a crazy stat kind of like the team who averages I'm, maybe that's obvious the team who averages more on the ground wins the game every single time. That is a really crazy stat though I hadn't seen that and I do want to bring it to gambling again for one second because Hayden I think that I saw I think I saw you send it to me before we started recording Jay Book he's a big Ohio State it's at Jay Book he's a big Ohio State Twitter account. But he was talking about how 85% of bets are coming in on Ohio State minus 8.5 right now. Which is horrible news. You were telling, just like you were saying, that you think that's bad. Obviously, traditionally, that could be bad. Doesn't mean Vegas is always right. Do you then, I guess, have Michigan plus the 8.5? Yeah, I'm taking Michigan plus 8.5. I think that they will be effective enough on the ground to maybe perhaps keep Ohio State's offense on the sideline more than other teams have this year. And, I, you know, if you can even limit Ohio State's possessions by one or two, I think that's that's big. That's potentially 14 to 10 points, uh, likely. So I, I think they can do that. It will help them a lot. I I did not have the courage enough to take Michigan outright to win this game. I, I do think that they keep it within the score. I, I, I think they do. I think Michigan's offense will be, like I said, effective enough that they will score some points. And obviously, I think Ohio State's offense will score points as well. So I'm also going with the over. Casey, the time has come. Who are you picking to win this game? And then after you give us that, who's going to get the cover? I I am taking Ohio State in this game. And I don't really particularly think it's going to be that close. Every you know everything that I laid out the three concerns Ohio State has done an exceptional job of so far this year. I think their offensive line has improved so much throughout the season. I, maybe they don't handle Hutchinson and Ojabo one on one, but they they're going to scheme something up to kind of neutralize those two. I and like I said, I think Travion Henderson is going to have a massive day. Everything that I've seen from Michigan's run defense, the especially the past couple of games. It should have Michigan fans concerned because they have played way less talented teams and given up way too many yards for their liking. I think Ohio State, Hayden made a great point. I do think Michigan controls the ball a little bit and does take away a couple potential touchdowns for Ohio State. And that's why I don't have them getting into the 50s. And that's basically the only reason why I don't. So I have Ohio State covering the eight and a half. I'm going to take the over, though. I do think Michigan is able to score a little bit. I haven't necessarily been impressed with Ohio State's defense all year outside of last game. 
And I think Michigan's defense or Michigan's offense presents a lot of different challenges. They do a lot of different things, but obviously they like to run the ball first and foremost. And McNamara is playing his best ball of the year at at this point. Something to keep an eye on though, real quick, is McNamara's getting his balls batted, getting his footballs batted down um, at the line of scr- <laughs> at the line of scrimmage uh, because you know, like I said before, he's a short guy. He's been getting them batted down a lot more recently. And, you know, One of these times it's going to be a pick. It, it, it will be a pick, and, or it will be a you know third and four. You, you have Donovan Edwards running an angle route, and he's wide open, and it gets batted down. So I have a feeling that's going to play a little bit of a part, too. Ultimately, I have Ohio State winning 45-24. to 24. Casey, it's like you were in my head here. We have very similar scores for very similar reasons. I think that, like you... Michigan is going to try their best to make this a game where they're going to have it for 35 minutes to the 25 for Ohio State. Really shorten this game. They're just going to have to really hope they can weather the storm in the first quarter. You know Ohio State's itching at the bit. And whether or not it's true, Ohio State has talked themselves into, or you imagine the team is, they ducked us last year. We're going to take it out on them this year for it. And I think they're going to come out, like it's Ohio State, Michigan, they're going to come out with all kinds of energy, and I think it's going to prove too much for Michigan. I have it 45-20, to 20, so I had them settling for a field goal instead of a touchdown. That's the only difference in our score there, Casey. It, but it, it's all, I mean, it's Ohio State-Michigan game. We might be talking about a 13-10 game on Sunday for no reason other than it wasn't supposed to happen and these te- two teams do weird things to each other. Can you p- both predict or give a number total yards for both offenses in this one 475 to 345 i'm gonna go 515 to 400 yeah well okay so that really uh, so i think if ohio state gets to 500 yards of offense that they're gonna win this game like by two or three scores which is why I don't think that they will. I, 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 think, I think they'll be somewhere in the 400s. I was going to say, that's, that's probably why Wally and I said that, and that's why we predicted the scores we were gonna, that we did. You guys are awesome. You guys are awesome. <laughs> Do you guys have anything else you want to leave with us for this game before we wrap up? It's Ohio State-Michigan game, so we'll stay as long as you guys want to talk about it. I was going to say, how much time do we have? We could break down position groups and get Hayden really worrying if we want to do some hypotheticals like hey what happens if CJ Stroud just misses the bus trip to Michigan or misses the flight whatever they do to get up there so I, I take it with the silence that means yeah, we're, we're I mean, good to wrap I, I'm, I'm good unless you know someone else poses a question that we can answer oh you know what I will pose one more random that's not about the game necessarily on Saturday but a pass game. So Hayden is a lot like me, as you guys can tell too, with the, the watching old games. I have like a collection on my TV of games as Big Ten Network shows classics, and I save them and I throw them on while I'm editing, stuff like that, where one of the games, and it was just crazy, I think it was 1974, I have it saved where Joe Paterno's calling a game with Keith Jackson for the Woody-led Ohio State team versus Bo. And it was just overwhelming and it's a game with Archie Griffin was the running back Cornelius Green quarterback like there was just so much 
stars that were involved in it. And the funniest part about the whole thing is it starts, you know how we have our uh, player B, school Y, stuff like that, entrance to the videos game, or entrance to the the game. What, what do you want to call that? Like, you know what I'm saying, right? Where it's like Terrell Suggs, ball so hard you. What do you call Player oh, introductions. Player inter- yeah. Inter- Jesus. Inter- the player introductions back then, they would literally have a player run live right before the game in front of a camera and they have him standing there and Keith Jackson had Archie Griffin come right in front of him and Keith Jackson skipped Archie Griffin on accident and went to the following player. And I just thought it was just, for some weird reason, hilarious. But that was just a stupid little antidote I had to share that I've been watching that and I don't know it was fun to fun to see a bunch of giant names like that yeah that's that's hilarious Wally what one other thing that I will say to concern Hayden here a little bit is that with Michigan covering the spread last week against Maryland they are the best team against the spread in the Big Ten uh going nine and two so far this year so just just keep that in mind That is going to bring us to the end of another episode of Pigskins and Nylon, brought to you by Tabbies.com, the world's best Delta 8 edible. We'll be back early next week to break down the final week of the regular season, including two division championship deciding games. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, at P&NPod, Facebook, at P&NPod, and Instagram also, at P&NPod. Saturday is the best day of the year. Drinking in, everybody. Do you two have any final thoughts you'd like to leave us with? Yes, I, I actually do. And, you know, this could have this could have went with the game, but I, I wanted to save it. We don't even have to answer this, but it seems like every year there is some young guy that has a breakout game or something against Michigan. I, I keep I keep thinking about it and, and wondering who that will be this year. And you don't have to answer it, but just something to think about as we get closer to the game. Travion Henderson. That does not count. That doesn't count as a break. I mean, whatever. That's a breakout. Yeah, I I don't know. That's interesting just because a lot of the young talent for Ohio State's already involved. So I don't know if you'd see that kind of name that you're looking for to emerge after. I like the The Emeka game. Kickoff return touchdown. I would be surprised if if they return it this game. If he can get the ball to 25, I'd be surprised. But anyway, going into my final thought, I love looking at the ticket prices of of all the Big Ten games, and this one just you know kind of kind of struck me here. Uh, a game that is of two pretty quality teams in the Big Ten, you can buy a ticket for that game for nine dollars, and that game is Penn State at Michigan State, which you know I guess now is probably the third most important game of the of the weekend with you know Wisconsin and Minnesota, but. I just thought that was really, really interesting. Oh, I get. Are you? No, I was gonna win. I was gonna win easy. Go Huskers. No. So, um, I, I guess the 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 third best quality of team game, if that makes sense. But yeah, I I don't really have a final thought. I'm excited to watch some basketball tonight. Michigan and Ohio State both play, so I'll be watching both of those games. Yeah, can't wait, can't wait for the weekend. Can't wait to get home tomorrow and see the fam, hang out with them for a little bit. Thank you guys for listening. And have a happy Thanksgiving as well. We'll see you guys back here next week for episode 43 of Pigskins and Nylon. Peace.